Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I'm your host and news editor, Richard Pereira, and joining me today is sports editor Cameron Priester and staff writer Zachary Watts. Hey, guys, how's it been going this past weekend? I know there's been a lot of sports going on. Yeah, you know, coming off a uh, nice family vacation, hopefully everyone had a safe Thanksgiving. Um, just morale's high all around, I know. Um, FAU news-wise, or sports-wise, I should say. Um, we've got a lot of things to touch on, but even in our national sports and global sports, um, there's a lot to touch on. So looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, I had a great Thanksgiving. Hope everyone else did as well. Um, you know, it's a different, difficult ending to the season for football that we gotta, we'll got to get into, but yeah, there's a lot, a lot to talk about. Yeah, I had a very chill Thanksgiving myself, and by this number 10, implying Brazil, <laughs> go Brazil. Uh, they won 2-0 on Thanksgiving, so that's good on my end. Um, but yeah, we're going to get started today with FE Sports, and we're going to start off with football. Um, they played last Saturday and fought to the very end against a very good Western Kentucky squad, forcing overtime, but uh, in that before overtime, they missed a, a potential game-winning field goal, which is very tough for the kicker who missed it who was doing pretty good for the most part before that uh, field goal at the end. But in the end, FEU couldn't do it as they lost 32-31 in overtime. Saw their record end at 5-7, and seven, uh, another year without another bowl game. And hours after that loss, it has been announced that Willie Taggart would no longer be the head coach of FEU moving forward. Um, so, guys, uh, what are your thoughts on how the season went down and FEU's decision to uh, let Taggart go? Well, just in regards um, to this game this past weekend, um, Western Kentucky was a tough opponent coming into it. Um, and, you know, for it to go down like that, it's very unfortunate. But it was a very hard-fought game. I think one of uh, the consistent issues we've had throughout the year is just kind of the defensive consistency. I mean, overall consistency. But uh, I think more so on the defensive side, we gave up uh, like almost 600 yards this past game. And the fact that we were still in it giving up that many points just kind of speaks to how – much our offense uh, wanted to stay in that game and try to win it. Um, but for it to go down like that, it's very unfortunate. Um, as for the season overall, you know, we just missed bowl eligibility. Um, and, you know, that's never fun. You always play with the expectation to play for a bowl game. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to get it done this year. And because of that, we had to let Tagger walk. Um, now, I know a lot of people were very critical of Tagger. Um, and his coaching, but I, I do think he brought a lot of good things to the campus. Um, very high morale for the players. Um, it seemed like the guys wanted to go out there and compete every game. It didn't seem like we gave up at all week in, week out. You know, the fans were excited to be out there. Tailgates were always good. Um, it just gave, gave a very good uh, campus presence, I'd say. Um, and our football team did a very good job of that. So um, best of luck to him and his future endeavors. Um, I don't know what's next for him. I heard some rumors about a potential offensive coordinator job, which I think is perfect for him in the future. Um, but I'm more excited to see where we go um, head, where we go searching for a head coach next. Um, I don't know what the right move is. I don't know what the coaching carousel is going to look like at the end of the year. I know where he already had some signings at, among some other schools, but I do think um, we have a good chance to attract some good attention from a very um, willing head coach that wants to turn this program around. Yeah, in uh, regards to the game against Western Kentucky, 
what I'll say is that it just thanks so much for um, the seniors because they did fight so hard in that game and they weren't really out of it at any point. So not only to end the season five and seven, but like in a heartbreaking loss like that, it it's not it's not fun to see. But, but they they did play a decent game against Western Kentucky, and that's just not a team you want to be playing in a do or die game. And they just kind of had our number late. Give credit to um, the offense. Nikosi played generally mistake free. I think he finished with like two seventy yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Larry McCammon ran the ball really well. He finished with 100 plus. Um, they just they just kind of had our they had our number late. Um, and in regards to um, Taggart's departure, I think it was the right move. Um, you know, like like Zach said, he was he was a he was a great guy. Um, he was always respectful with the media, and he always held the position with like respect and dignity. Um, so yeah, nothing but well wishes for his future and future endeavors. Um, and I do think, I don't think he'll land a, another head coaching job, but he'll definitely land a position elsewhere. Um, so good luck to him and whatever he does. But my message to FAU fans is just kind of put this game and this behind us because for better or for worse, this team is going to look so completely different next year. You're going to have a new head coach. You're going to have a new quarterback. That was uh, Perry's last game. and with Taggart's departure, we're probably going to see a lot of um, action in the transfer portal with players leaving. That's just kind of the age of college football. Um, but on the other hand, whenever we get a new coach signed, he will probably bring in a lot of transfers with him as well. So it's different. So we should just kind of put this behind us um, in a sense. Yeah, it's very unfortunate to see Taggart go out the way he did. He finished his coaching career at FU after three seasons with a 15 and uh, 18 record. Um, so it, it it's a very unfortunate that he couldn't be able to uh, give FU another bowl game appearance after making the bowl game his first season. Uh, missing the bowl game for back to back seasons is not a good is not a good way for FU's win their, end their years with Taggart, but yeah, hopefully we wish Taggart the best on his f- future trip, on his future endeavors, and that he'll have a better better results somewhere else. And, and with that being said, who do we think could be a potential ch- choice for FU's next head coach? I don't know. It's tough to see. I was taking kind of a peek um, at the coaching carousel, I know um, kind of the bigger name schools will kind of get their guys first. It's always hard being in um, a non-Power 5 school to bring a head coach in because you kind of just, unless you have some really appealing outside factors, um, and that's not to say that we don't, but compared to some of these other schools that have kind of had a higher national presence with their football teams like a Wisconsin or um, I think Hugh Freeze just signed to Auburn. You know, these, these schools um, have a lot of historic, historical references um, to kind of bring coaches in. For us, um, I feel like our preaching point just kind of has to be um, where we're positioned right now. You know, um, with how things are shaking up and teams are moving uh, throughout the conference, you know, some teams want to leave to go to higher conferences. Some are trying to make their way in. 
I think we have a good chance to make a staple within our conference. Um, it's just all about who's willing to take that, willing to take on that job. You know, um, it's never going to be easy, like Cameron said, especially with coaching changes and how um, with NIL and everything, players are looking to transfer. Um, so it definitely won't be an easy task, but I, I'm still pretty optimistic that we can pull in a strong enough coach to turn the program around. I'm not, I, I, for some reason, I don't have any worries that we won't be able to. It's just, it's just a matter of time. I don't, I don't want to say um, like, like any really names in specific because there's kind of multiple ways FAU could go with this. They could kind of try to go with a lesser known name that really hasn't gotten their shot yet at like a division one level or like a division one um, like coordinator job, something like that. Or they could kind of go the way they did with Taggart and hire someone who has been at that level. Maybe it didn't work out at Oregon or Florida State like Taggart and then maybe give them a shot here. So I don't, it could go either way with that. I don't want to say one is a wrong or right approach, but two names I have seen floating around. First is Deion Sanders, and first of all, that's just not happening. Sorry, that'd be so fun and awesome, but no, that's not happening. Uh, the second name I've heard, it really hasn't been too common, but it's enough to make me want to comment, and that's Dan Mullen. Please, no. No, 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 no. He was a – well, first I'll say is he, I think, is the opposite of Taggart and not in exactly like a good way. Taggart seemed like someone who players, like he said, want to play for. Can He can, like, inspire his players to go out. Maybe, like, there's coaching aspects that, you know, cause them to get caught. But players want to play for him. At Florida, it did not seem like players wanted to play for Dan Mullen very much. Um, and he was a terrible recruiter. And very literally once said in a press conference that he doesn't recruit during the season. So I would very much not like him to be our next head coach. But there are um, lots of ways to go with this. And like Zach said, I have no doubts that they can pull someone who is can do what we want for this program because I don't think FAU is a hard sell. We're in South Florida, the biggest hotbed of recruiting talent in the country. And, you know, I just feel like Boca Raton is not a hard sell to, like, get a coach to want to come here. We have an on-campus stadium, um, a sizable – um, like booster uh, system. So I think we can pull someone. It's just what what direction they want to take it in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, just real quick, I kind of just took a peek at it. Um, you know, Travis Trickett, who did serve just a small stint here at FAU uh, in 2016 and broke a lot of records for us offensively. Um, I don't know if we want to try to move up from him. You know, he had served some time. Um, under Nick Saban in Alabama. He's been with Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Bowden at Florida State. Um, you know, he has some experience and he's been with FAU. So he's not like an old face. He does know his way around the program. I think that would be an interesting hire. Um, you know, he did spend some time at USF. So I don't know if he'd be willing or if USF be willing to let him go. Um, but, you know, I think now he's at Western Virginia as an offensive coordinator and putting up great, or maybe he was at USF. I forget which one he was at most recently, but I do think if you want to keep a familiar face in town, that would be the smart way to go, especially since, you know, we've kind of 
garnered towards that more offensive focus. You know, I still think we have the athletes to stay on the field to put up a lot of points. So the way to go would definitely keep the offense where it's at and then just try to build the defense up from there. I completely agree going offense too. Um, that's just kind of, I feel like that's kind of the way that the game is going. Like the high powered offense, not defense necessarily takes a back seat, but that seems like the way to win games. That's how like teams that are in the college football playoff consistently, that's how they're winning games. So I like the idea of like keeping an offensive mind in that head coach position. And I like the idea of having a familiar face like uh, Trickett. So that, that would not be a bad um, candidate, I don't think. Yeah, but at the end of the day, um, wherever FU goes for the next head coach, it will definitely be something worth talking about. And as we move on from FU football, we head on to FU basketball, starting off with the men's. And this past Saturday in Albany, New York, they took down the Albany Great Dane 73-56 on the road. And they've been made ever since the Ole Miss loss uh, in the second game of the season. FU has gone on a four-game winning streak. So with a 5-1 and one record at the moment, how do you think FU has been maintaining their solidity as an offense and defense so far this season? Um, I mean, for the most part, I think we've been playing outstanding basketball. Um, some of the new faces here, um, Vlad especially, he's been playing out of his mind. Um, I think he's like ninth in the nation right now for three-point percentage. Um, and I know he probably hasn't taken that many threes, but just the fact that he's over, se over seven feet tall and still able to be a presence um, from, from beyond the arc is unimaginable like that's amazing um I feel like we've just been very consistent with how we win games you know it's not very spotty where things are changing um each night um the only thing that isn't super consistent is who's getting it done for us offensively you know Michael Forrest will tend to be a name you'll see up there pretty often but it seems like every other night we have guys putting up double digit points getting it done um on the offensive end what I can say from the defensive side of things is we've just consistently dominated the boards. And that's exactly what we need to do to win games. Um, you know, our defense is a force to be reckoned with. Um, we're shutting possessions down. Um, you know, what's crazy is we don't get a lot of um, like blocks and steals, but just the fact that we're able to win the rebounding battle, get a lot of points in the paint, keep it clean. You know, that's how you win basketball games by playing fundamentally sound and forcing teams to kind of like, make that extra effort if they want to be you. Um, and, you know, Albany isn't the strongest of opponents. You know, it's not something you want to walk around bragging about, but it it's not just the Albany game. You know, like you said, we come off that Ole Miss loss. We turn around and beat Florida. You know, we have a ton of momentum right now, and we're playing just – I wouldn't say we're even playing above standard. We're just playing exactly how we need to. And this is the type of team that we can be when we can play like that consistently. Yeah, they're just playing uh... – winning basketball, you know, that's good. And that should be credit to Dusty May and his coaching staff. You know, they shoot the ball pretty efficiently. Uh, they score points in the paint. They have a deep bench. Michael Forrest is probably their most efficient scorer. I don't have stats in front of me, but I'd imagine he's probably in the top two or three of their most efficient scorers and he's coming off the bench. So that's a huge thing. And like, they just have so many guys that they can count on. Nick Boyd isn't, um, one of the guys you usually see as like finishing as leading scorer, but him being able to go out and do that, even if it is against a weaker opponent like Albany, that's nice to just know you have so many guys that you can count on 
any game to go get you like buckets. So um, yeah, they're just playing winning basketball and Albany wasn't a strong opponent, like we just said, and um, they don't have too tough of a schedule coming up. They, um, I'm not sure if it's on the road or at home, um, but they have FGCU coming up in the coming weeks. It, it's at home, I see you now. Uh, that'll be an interesting matchup. Um, FGCU is always – they have a decent team, so um, this is one of the stronger opponents they've seen in a couple weeks. So if they can field another good performance and a win, I think it's just shows the um, why they're kind of getting the recognition as one of the better uh, mid-major teams in the nation. Yeah, hopefully men's basketball can keep up the next man up mentality, especially on offense, because everybody can contribute on this team, which is a great thing for from an offensive standpoint, and that they can all play a solid defense, which is very important when it comes to winning all these games that they have been so far this season. And their next two games for this upcoming week is South Alabama this Wednesday on November 30 at 7 p.m. at home, and they'll head out on the road to... Uh, so I can't say the name. I can't say the city, city name. Uh, they'll be traveling to Michigan to take on Eastern Michigan on Sunday, December four at two thirty p.m. So hopefully FU can keep up with its winning streak and get another win on the road. And moving on from men's basketball, we have women's basketball. Uh, they played their Thanksgiving classic this past week on Friday and this past Friday and Saturday, and they won both games, taking down Binghamton fifty-one forty-one and Sacred Heart 68-66. So two relatively close matches, especially the second one, as Epi was able to come through and have pretty much their best start in the past uh, three, four seasons, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, this is very, uh, this is definitely a very solid start for women's basketball. So what do you guys think of it? Um, any tournament you kind of play in is always good. Um, you're kind of getting a good mix of um opponents i'd say again kind of similarly to our men's basketball team not opponents that i would necessarily walk away from you know bra- like walk away with bragging rights anything along those lines but it's kind of how we played in those games that kind of set the tone um you know first off up against uh the bearcats you know going back and forth high offensive scoring battle um you're able to get the lead early and then kind of in the second half you have a slow start where you're able to hold on um, I kind of saw that as being a trend within the tournament. You know, we'd open up hot and then kind of we'd lose the second half. But because we did so well in the first half, we were able to hold on uh, long enough. Um, you know, you'd kind of hope to see the reverse, if anything, you know, slower start and then finish strong. Um, but, you know, those are things you can fix as the season goes on. Um, but performance-wise, you know, in that first game, Anaya Hubbard, 17 points, played fantastic. You know, she did exactly what she needed to do. And in the second game, um, I believe it was uh, Alexa Zaff. You know, she stepped up and was really um, the top score in that one. So, um, like I said, not not necessarily bragging about it, walking away from it, but it's what it's what you expect. You know, you go in, you win the games you need to, and you move on, and you look forward to your next opponent. Um, you know, the schedule moving forward, I believe. I'm trying to see right now. Yeah, we played Kennesaw State and Florida National and then FIU. Um, you know, that's a tough run of games, finally getting our first action in Conference USA. So, you know, some tune-ups here and there, and then finally getting into the swing of things and really starting to compete for what we uh, – some higher goals. 
Yeah, we don't want to get um too high on like the sort of improvements and wins they've shown, but it is good to see that they are winning games. Um, and shout out to um some of the newcomers that, like you said, Anaya Hubbard. She's been playing great. That was a huge shot she made to kind of put them past uh, Sacred Heart uh, mm-hmm. in the tournament, and that's what you want to see. But um, it conference play, like you said, that's coming up against FIU will be really telling. Some of these, um, some of these opponents, while they 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 may be formidable, but like you said, we're really going to get in this swing of swing of things, and as we continue into conference play and really see what this team is made of, and are these improvements for real or you know, are we kind of faking a little bit? But I definitely um, – um, we should be confident uh, with the strides they've made early in the season for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely agree. Like, this start is very encouraging for them, especially after what they went through last season. So, hopefully they can keep up this very solid start heading into Friday's ma- this Friday's matchup against Kennesaw State on December 2nd at 7 p.m. at home. So, wish them the best of luck on that end. And with that, that will conclude our section with FU Sports. Now we head on to national sports. First topic being the NFL. Uh, following up from our last episode, we talked about the New York Jets' decision to bench Zach Wilson following poor performance in the last week. And after a 31-10 victory over the Chicago Bears, sorry, Cameron, um, there was a picture floating about on uh, Zach Wilson's face. Um, <laughs> looking like he's disappointed or he's just uh, pissed in a way. Like a kid in timeout is what he looked like. <laughs> but yeah, do you think this will cause any disruption to the Jets' winning habits this season? You know, I don't know because someone brought it up earlier. I was looking um, on social media and they said if you really believe that Zach Wilson deserves to be benched, then you're kind of just accepting that you lost on that draft pick and moved on. And some people were referencing, um, you know, similar actions taken by the Dolphins. You know, we're like, oh, well, they benched Tua. Look how well he's doing now. That's a completely different scenario. People need to accept that. You know, Brian Flores benched Tua because he didn't think he was the answer. Mike Daniel shows up, takes Tua, shows him how good he really is, and then he plays up to that expectation. You know, I understand benching Zach Wilson um, just from the standpoint that if he's not getting it done and you feel that the next guy in line can get it done, then of course you should bench him. That There's no question about that. And Mike White proved that he was ready to take that next step. He showed up, did exactly what he needed to do, put up 31 points on the Bears. Now, given the Bears were completely injury-ridden, this was a – it's more than unfair to kind of look down on Chicago at this point. I know they haven't had the best year, but, you know, Fields was really promising up until his injury. Um, you know, with Darnell Mooney going down early in the game and even your captain of the defense, was it Eddie Jackson that went down with that injury? That, Yeah, Eddie yeah. Jackson. Um, you know, it, it's just not a favorable matchup, but, you know, there's always two sides of the story. For the Jets, things are looking bright with Mike White. You know, hopefully he can stay consistent so that they have some hopes to keep their winning ways. And as for the Bears, you know, it – you get you're shooting yourself in your own foot. It it hurts. Um, but you know, the fact that you were moving in the right direction before the injury bug kind of hit you, kind of shows that there you ha- you can't lose all hope yet. You know, just stick with what you got. Finish out the season. Things weren't going as they were even before you started to have your luck. So, just kind of figure things out and then see where you see where you're at from there. Um, as far as the Jets, I think I I honestly think that 
Wilson ends up as the starter again sooner rather than later. Like you said, it's I really doubt they're just gonna just like say give up on all that draft capital that they kind of um just want to say wasted well, wasted, but they use on him. So I I doubt they're gonna they're gonna like completely give up on that. Um, and I don't think anybody should really get, get too high on Mike White just because of this performance. The Bears the Bears are not a good football team to begin with and the heel of them is their defense the defense is so terrible they have just so little like star power on the defense it's crazy and I think this for the Bears your takeaway should be how valuable Justin Fields is to this offense because what wow people were like talking about benching him after the commander's loss like eat that because this is what we would have been dealing with um so, yeah, I, it's definitely just, like, looking at next year. You can't really, like – this team's going to not be the same. Um, this roster's going to be so different next year. They have so much money to spend, and right now I think they're sitting at either the number two or the number three draft pick. They could use the draft back and pick up even more picks. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we shouldn't just get too down on this loss. Hmm. And – for the other games that happened throughout the past week, uh, I know I was disappointed seeing the Patriots lose to the Vikings under questionable calls on Thanksgiving to Minnesota. So <laughs> what do you think, Zach? Oh, I mean, incredibly frustrating. Um, you know, I thought one of the main things we needed to do was kind of focus more on their um, air attack, you know, the new Minnesota coach was a former quarterback. Of course, he's going to be way more uh, lenient on his passing game. Look, the Patriots have been good all year with, with stopping the run. Try to focus more on shutting Justin Jefferson down. You know, you literally let him have a Randy Moss-esque Thanksgiving game. And that was the last thing I needed. Um, just that was horrendous. But I will say, you know, Mac Jones throw for a career-high 382 yards. That's always good to see. Um, happy to get that out of him. Not the result you want, obviously, but... Um, yeah, the Vikings are good this year, man. They're nine and two. Um, I still don't believe they're contenders. Um, sorry. Uh, they just, they are, their postseason woes will continue to haunt them for the rest of their lives. Um, I don't know why, but I feel like we just all know that if you were to say who's a Super Bowl contender, I don't think I'd put the Vikings in that category, but you know, good for Kirk Cousins. Good for Jay Jettis. Um, it's good for the Vikings this year, man. Give Minnesota faithful something to be proud of. I kind of wanted to talk about the Monday night game. Um, Jeff Saturday, what are you doing, dude? Like, come on, call it, call the timeout. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Um, that's got to be ultra frustrating for Colts ownership because I feel like when you put a guy like Jeff Saturday in that position, you put him in there because he's like a veteran NFL player who's been on the sidelines, he's been on the field in those like short two minute drill situations, and you kind of like. I don't want to say he's not a coach, but you kind of expect him to like know to make those decisions um, in that moment. So that's just kind of frustrating, I imagine, for them um, to lose them that fashion. Well, that kind of implies how the Jeff Saturday hiring was going to turn out. So tough luck. And moving on from the NFL, we head on to the NBA. Um, 
the Celtics continue to dominate the league, having the having the best record in in, in the NBA with a seventeen and four record. Um, the Dallas Mavericks just signed Kemba Walker, who who should help their backcourt depth, especially as they try to stray away from overly relying on Luka Doncic to continue putting up thirty point games for them. Uh, the Lakers lost in Lakers fashion last night to the Indiana Pacers on a game winning buzzer beater. So, what do you think? What do you guys think of what happened throughout this past week in the NBA? Um, well, I will say Jason Tatum's MVP campaign did take a hit because the fact that your best score um, sat a game and you still put up 140 points doesn't really give you that notion that you're really uh, the most valuable to your team. I think the Celtics are just good all around this year from an offensive standpoint. Um, they've been playing unbelievable. Um, some other things, you know, the Clippers are very set on starting Kawhi and playing through him, um, despite having some other weapons. You know, they're really committed to that Kawhi experience, so we'll see where that goes from there. Um, as for the Lakers, you know, like the fact that it had to be LeBron to cost in that game, just you hate to see it. You really hate to see it. But um, in other NBA news, um, Zion continuing to put up consistent stat lines, continuing to show why he was the number one pick for a reason. Um, you know, he's been playing great. I will forever root for him. I hope wish him nothing but the best. And then, as we all know, Steph Curry is Steph Curry. So, what else can we say? Yeah, no, it looks like the East is probably going to come down to Milwaukee and Boston again. Yay. Another year like that. Um, but something I wanted to bring up is uh, the Kings. We mentioned how the last episode, I think it was six straight they won when we were talking about the Kings. And since then, I think they've dropped four straight. So we may have uh, jinxed the Kings just a little bit. Um, the Suns still look good. Uh... Cameron, you're on mute. Excuse me. Kings still are – Suns still look dominant a little bit out west. I think you're saying at like 14 and 5 at the moment. Um, but, yeah, still it's kind of like the the perennial favorites are still kind of performing a little bit. Um, but like you said, it's nice to see Zion. It's He's such like a fun player to watch. So seeing him kind of like fill that potential everyone used to talk about, that was so fun to see. Yeah, man. Just to let you guys know right now, the Celtics are so good that Blake Griffin literally threw down a one-handed dunk, a one-handed alley-oop dunk again you know, last night. So <laughs> that just tells you everything you need to know about uh, the Boston Celtics under Joe Mazzola. It's the offense is just going crazy. And for our last topic of the day, World Cup action, of course, as you <laughs> implying by the Brazil shirt. Um, the U.S. did play England last Friday. And oh, oh, outplayed them. Even though they didn't score a goal, they managed to get a zero-zero draw against the against the Englishmen, and they are fighting for a top two spot in their group to advance to the knockout stages. And uh, at the time of this recording, they'll be taking on uh, Iran today at two p.m. So, uh, what do you guys think? Is this a? Uh, it's definitely a winner go home situation for the U.S. and. What do you guys think they need to do to make sure they pull it off to advance? I think one of the most important things to know is you can't be as um, slow as you've been in the past. Um, you know, we've kind of been very 
slow build up, kind of try to pick your spots, try to make the best angle of attack. I you can't really play like that um, in these games. You know, you know Iran's going to be sacking the box. They need a draw to advance. They're going to do whatever they can to stop you from scoring. Um, and if they're going to play that way, then just take every shot you can get. You know, you, you put enough shots on net. Some are bound to go in. You know, Pulisic is a quality enough player. Weston McKinney, Wea. Um, even Adams this past game who played unbelievably well in the midfield just kind of dominated um, in that game against England but you know there's there's a lot of expectations going into this you know the fact that we were able to draw with England kind of shows that you know we're right there um, in terms of talent you know I don't think we're going to make a deep run but you know we're we're that caliber team where we should consistently making it out of the group stage at this point you know we have the guys to be able to do it um in terms of the England game, you know, we finally brought Gio Reyna off the bench. You know, Aronson got some more minutes. Adams played great. Our, our midfield really dominated. Um, and we really shut down um, England from a defensive standpoint. Now, I know we played a lot of guys back. It felt like we were playing with 12 in the back. That That's honestly what it looked like. Um, it it was really slow, but I don't know. I, I was more happy walking away with the draw, but even happier knowing that we could have won or should have won um, just let me know that um, in years to come, we will be um, regarded as one of the better teams um, in the football atmosphere. Because, um, I mean, like I said before, you know, this is kind of the generation where if you want to inspire kids to kind of pursue that football route uh, growing up, this is the generation to do it. Um, and we really have to make it out of the group stage if we want to solidify that point. And beating Iran is huge, especially with all the prior implications of past World Cups against them. Um, there's a lot riding on this game, and I'm excited. Yeah, um, like you said, they they were played sort of, you know, conservative and a little bit slow in previous matches, and now that it's kind of winning, better go home. I, for lack of a better word, expect them to be like balls to the wall aggressive. Um, but more than that, I think this is kind of like the game that where you want to see like your stars come to life. So we has to have strong games from Pulisic, Adams, uh, Wea, those guys, um, if you want, if you're going to want to win in advance. Um, I just hope, like, they just have to put all the kind of off-the-field things, like, in the blinders. I thought Tyler Adams handled that press conference really well. There was some kind of tough questions he asked. Um, and like you said, all the kind of, like, political things that are part of the game like they have been whenever U.S. has played Iran in the past um but they, this is definitely a game that the U.S. can win they proved against England that the talent gap there, there isn't one really compared to the U.S. in the world stage anymore so they definitely have the potential to win this game it's can they go out and be aggressive and take advantage of the opportunities yeah definitely and when it comes to the U.S. if they win uh they'll most likely finish second place, depending on what happens between England and Wales, as they would take on the Netherlands in the round of 16 should they advance. But if they top the group, if Wales pulls off an upset, they will top the group and take on Senegal instead. So it's definitely an inter interesting situation for the U.S. to have, but no matter what, they have to win. They can't accept a draw or a loss. Other than that, they have to win in order to show that they're worthy of being in the knockout stage of the World Cup. And best of luck to Christian Pulisic, Tyler Adams, Giovanni Rena, 
and Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney and all those uh, all those guys. And a shout out to Matt Turner as well and Tim Ream. Um, shout out to all of them. Um, they are all talented in their own right and wishing them the best of luck in their last group stage match against Iran. With that, that'll be it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe. Click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. Also be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at Rich26Pereira, for Cameron, at PriesterCameron, and for Zach, at ZachWatts1 underscore. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.